A very warm welcome to this, our third online conversation from St Paul's Learning. My name is Paula Gooder and I'm the Canon Chancellor here at St Paul's Cathedral, which means that I oversee the theology and learning that takes place within the life of St Paul's. In the previous two conversations, I was able to welcome you in the introduction from the cathedral itself. Unfortunately, since we're now in lockdown three, even that isn't possible. You are, nevertheless, most welcome. Today's conversation is with Bishop Sarah Mullally, the Bishop of London, and we will be reflecting on the theme of her recent Lent book, Rooted in Love, which she wrote with the area bishops from the Diocese of London. Our conversation ranges from the very personal, what it means for Bishop Sarah to feel rooted in God's love in her everyday life, all the way through to much bigger themes, like themes of vocation and its impact on our lives. We also spend a bit of time reflecting on what it feels like in dark times, when it simply does not feel like we are rooted in God's love. And we explore some practical tips of what we might do in Lent, in lockdown, to explore this theme of being rooted in love. You might like to keep your eyes open for our next conversation, which will be coming in April, and will be with the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, exploring the theme of resurrection. And if you haven't, you could also have a look at our previous two conversations. The first with Timothy Radcliffe, exploring the theme of his most recent book, Alive in God, and the second with John Swinton, exploring the theme of his most recent book, Finding Jesus in the Storm, exploring mental health and Christian faith. Today, we hope that you enjoy this conversation with Bishop Sarah as much as I enjoyed having it with her. Bishop Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's absolutely lovely to have you with us. Yeah. And we're going to, we're talking about your book, um, your Lent book, um, Rooted in Love. And I wanted to start by you talking about that phrase, rooted in love. It's such a beautiful one, isn't it? Comes from Ephesians, um, that phrase, rooted and grounded in love. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about when you first became aware that you were rooted in love and what difference it's made to you in your life? Um, well, I, you know, I became a Christian as a, a teenager, so I had a, had a, a faith at quite a young age. And, and I guess at that time, we're all trying to sort out our identity, who we are. You know, what are we going to do with our life? And, uh, you know, what does God want us to do with our life? And I suppose at that point, I had a sense that, um, you know, the world can give us an identity. But actually, the most important identity we have is that of children of God. Uh, and uh, sort of young age, I did feel that the only re way you know that is by being rooted in God. And, and then, the, for me... Uh, I suppose over the years it's become that revelation that by being rooted in God, you're actually rooted in love. And it's that love that gives you your identity and your value. So, so in a sense for me, it came from an early age, but I, I, there is a bit for me that I have to relearn it. Uh, you know, it can be easy, even easy today where you, you, know, you may be seeking your affirmation from the world or by what people think of you. And, and all of that is well and good, but actually my identity is as child of God, rooted uh, in his love. Uh, and that, that, in a sense, shapes uh, how I seek to live my life. Thank you. And I think it's a really kind of striking um, idea, mm -hmm. that of being kind of deeply rooted. Um, mm -hmm. And the way in which the metaphor works is that mm -hmm. 
it allows us to grow, doesn't it? And what I think one of the kind of the things that I find very powerful about it mm. is that our, if our roots are strong, we can mm. then grow into being um, a different kind of person. And mm. have you experienced that, particularly for you, that you've been able to do things you might not have been able to do because of the, the rootedness that you experience? Yeah, I, 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 um, a sense for me, um, I think the question for me has always been, uh, what is God calling me to do? What, what is it to follow Jesus Christ? And, and, and certainly a significant part of my life has been in a, a secular world. Um, so for me, nursing was a vocation. And, and as a nurse, you have to face uh, real challenging situations, uh, difficult decisions. For me, not as many as those the nurses are facing today. Oh, my goodness. Um, but you have to face those difficult decisions. Um, and therefore, the sense for me was, how do you discern what it is to, to be a Christian? What does it look like to follow Christ in those situations. Now, the only way we know that is by being rooted in God, by abiding in him, because I do believe that if we abide in him, spend time in him, we begin to, in a sense, capture his nature, um, understand what it is. So for me as a nurse, what was really important uh, was developing that sense of abiding and being. Um, and for me, I suppose the first example for me of making a difference was when I was a nurse uh, and sense of spending time with him. So I knew how to live my life out in those uh, places where there are no right or wrong decisions. There are only the best decisions that you can make. Um, so yes, I, so I look back actually, and for me, that was very a real formational part of my life as a, as a nurse to work out what it was also to be a Christian following uh, Christ. And I'm interested that you mentioned your first vocation, because um, one of the things I think is so interesting about your faith journey is that you have had two very, very clear vocations. Uh, are you able to talk a little bit about what happened when you realised that one vocation was shifting and becoming a different vocation? Would you even say it like that. Um, I think it, it's just a very interesting thing was a lot of us don't have such two clear vocational tracks as you've had. I guess I would always say I have one vocation and that's to follow the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ and that has therefore taken me in two very different parts, uh, you know, maybe different places or not, maybe very similar places. Uh, and I suppose for me that bit about discerning that change is about any, how do we discern and whether it's a big change or a little thing that we're doing, how do we discern? And I think we only discern uh, if we've got that relationship with God. You know, we shouldn't be surprised if we spend ourselves, our time in noisy, crowded places, not stopping, not abiding in God's word, not abiding in prayer. If we don't do that, we shouldn't be surprised if we can't hear the word of God and what God's calling us to do. And, and so for me, there is a sense in which um, I suppose uh, asking God, what is it that he wants me to do? What's it look like to abide in him at that particular time um, was the journey I went on. But I have, I have to tell you, I wouldn't, um, you know, that was the hardest decision I ever made to move from nursing in full time into the church. You know, it was the hardest decision I have ever made. And, and I guess there are no right or wrong decisions. Uh, God makes the use of all of them. But actually, I think I could have only made that transition if I'd been keeping my ear close to God, if I had um, you know, if I'd been there abiding. Um, and um, and even today, in, in uh, I mean, as the Bishop of London, you know, I have to remind myself that lots of people will want to say lots of things about how I do things well or not, or do things the wrong way. And a sense for me, I have to be faithful to God. And so therefore, even today, it's really important that I put aside time 
uh, to read the Bible, to pray, so that I can um, have that growing understanding of what it is uh, to follow God, Christ in this moment. I'm really struck that you mentioned in terms of vocation um, that there isn't necessarily a right and a wrong. Because um, I think there, that you do get gripped, don't you, sometimes by going, well, I, I've got to make the right decision and I don't know what the right decision is and I don't even know how I'm going to make the right decision. Um, for me, I think there's something really powerful in what you're saying about recognising that there isn't necessarily a right and a wrong discerning. Um, but you do get that sense of pull or draw, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think that's right. I also think you get that sense of being unsettled. I think God unsettles us at times. You know, he he sort of makes us feel uncomfortable where we are. And then we begin to question, well, should we be here? Should we be doing something different? And then, of course, there is a pull uh, to somewhere else. So I think that's right. But I, I, I suppose over the years, I've tended to stay away from that sense a right or wrong decision. We make a decision. And I do believe God then uses that decision. Uh, and in a sense, for us to commit that decision to God. And, and I think he, you know, I think he honours that. So I have tried to stay away from right, right or wrong. But there is no doubt there is a pull. I also think we have to use our common sense. You know, I, my brother, when I was very young, could very clearly tell me I was not called to be a football player. You know, there's something about common sense. You know, God uses our skills and our abilities. And while sometimes he will bring us into places that are uncomfortable and maybe we have to grow and develop those skills, there's something also for me about saying, uh, you know, uh, you know, God uses who we are. You know, we we are, you know, that wonderful um, verse in Isaiah that we use at confirmations. God has called us by name and has made us his own. God has called us who we are, not despite us, but because of us. Uh, and that bit about abiding means that we can grow into the fullness of those people that he has called us uh, to be. Thank you. Um, I think one of the things that you're, you're expressing is that actually being rooted in love, knowing that vocation, does really make a, a sense, a difference to our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. um, often when we talk about Christian faith, we mm -hmm. kind of imagine it being on a Sunday, don't we, and what we do on a Sunday. Um, what difference does it make for you in your everyday life that you have this strong sense of being rooted in love? Well, I think as I have said, you know, we are, uh, our vocation is to follow Jesus Christ, and that's wherever. And to do that, you don't have to be a priest. You know, it isn't out every day. It's, it's the life that we lead. Um, so therefore, for all of us, it's really important to realise we all have that vocation. Um, and I guess for me, over the years, I've developed, um, uh, I suppose, different ways. I mean, you know, I always think there's that, um, you know, I was very grateful for prayer. You know, there's the prayer that we that we pray very uh, on a routine basis, we have a rhythm of life, we set aside time, but also on that moment. So I am very conscious, you know, if I was going to break bad news to a patient as a nurse, or if it, you know, in the Department of Health, I was going to a very difficult meeting, uh, or even now, if I'm going to lead a service, or if I'm going to meet, uh, you know, groups of clergy, I will pray just before I go into that. Uh, and just to ask that for me to have an awareness of God and of his love. And I think that's shaped my everyday life. I also think if I can see myself as being rooted in God, uh, in, sorry, in love, if I can see myself as a child beloved of God, then actually it's shaped how I see everybody else. You know, because everybody else is a child beloved of God. And therefore, it should shape the way I treat them. Uh, to see them in, in God's image. So that, I think, has shaped me as well in, in my everyday, how I encounter people, uh, how I 
treat them, value them, treat you know, treat them with kindness. Thank you. Um, I think the harsh reality at the moment is all of our everydays are now completely different, aren't they? Um, they're not as they were. And yeah. uh, many of us, I think, particularly during this third lockdown, mm. um, are finding us, ourselves facing really, really tough times. Mm. Um, have you got mm. any wisdom to offer about how you live a life rooted in love in mm. these really tough times? Well, I, I, you know, I think, I think it has been tough. I think all of us, uh, because of lockdown, have found ourselves in a different, different space. Now, that space may sometimes have felt empty. Sometimes it may have felt overwhelmed and full. Uh, and so I think there's always an important place where we should stop and say, you know, reflect on um, what is the rhythm of my life? Am I praying enough? Am I reading the Bible enough? You know, how could we change our routine um, uh, to ensure that we take care first and foremost of our relationship with God? You know, for me, at the very beginning, I had a very different shape. And uh, for the first time, probably in all my married life, my husband and I were at the same place at eight o'clock in the morning. So in fact, we have been saying morning prayer at eight o'clock each morning together, which has been a real difference. So for me, that rhythm has really benefited and me. But as life has got busier and life has become much more full of Zoom, I have had to keep that discipline because it could be very easily crowded out. Um, I also think for us, uh, you know, we may not we may not be in those places where we normally pray or find God. So for me, I love the countryside. I love walking. I can't do any of that at the moment. You know, we're locked down. Whilst I walk around the city, it's not quite the same as walking out in the countryside. So I recognise in me that space is gone. So, for example, in my uh, courtyard, in my backyard, I purposely will have my coffee and my tea out there because it's a moment for me to catch a, a, a handkerchief of sky, maybe see the blackbird or the robin, and uh, think of God's creation. So I've also recognised that because things have been taken away where I normally find closeness with God, I need to put those back in. Um, but you only do that if you take a, a moment, look back on what you've been doing and say, how do I reflect uh, in God's presence, whether I've got quite that routine of prayer, Bible, study, right? And are there any particular techniques that you find particularly helpful? Um, your, your mentioning of the looking back reminds me of the Ignatian exam, where you spend a bit of time at the end of the day yeah. reflecting on what brings you life and what um, has yeah. um, diminished your life. Yeah. Um, are there any particular techniques that you find helpful to do this? Well, for me, that would be one of them. So uh, in a very basic form. So I would do that at the end of the day. But I but I also, uh, you know, some of those um, Ignatius techniques of just focusing on, on something, whether it's the robin in the, the back garden or the, the crocuses that are beginning to uh, come in and to begin to try and see in things that make you pass over something more of God. So, so I would do that. But also for me, um, one of the, uh, I suppose one of those, Things that have really given me life has been Compline. Um, the use of Compline in the evening, um, not least to set, settle the anxieties of the day, but it, it, it has such a richness of stillness and quietness. So for me, Compline has been a very particular uh, part of my spirituality over the last 10 months. Yeah, no, I, I love the, um, the service of Compline as well. I love the, the ritual of lighting the candle and, um, and sitting with my husband and praying. It's, um, it's, a, it's an important one, isn't it? It is, yeah. What we've been talking about so far in our conversation is um, 
your own personal experience mm. of being rooted in love and what a difference it's made mm. to your life and um, the ways in which that's changed mm. things for you. And I think one of the things that we often find quite hard to do is to talk to other people about our experiences. Um, you're very articulate in doing it. Um, but I think many of us feel kind of slightly nervous about talking to people about our experiences of being rooted in love. Um, are there any tips that you would offer people about how they become much more confident in talking about their experience of love and of God and of their faith? Well, one of the things I've learned is that people come to faith not through, um, you know, not through big strategies or organisational plans, but through personal encounters. Um, and therefore, it's important for us to build personal encounters with people and relationships where um, people, you know, you can just chat naturally to people about everything. And then the second thing I've learned is people love other people's stories. You know, I love to hear people's stories, whatever they're about. So people love stories. So actually to talk about your faith or to talk about the love that we found in God, um, to talk about what, how Jesus impacts in our lives are about stories. Um, and so therefore there's something about thinking about stories. And often we're good at telling that, you know, stories about how, for example, you know, our trip to the dump went or, you know, but so why not? practice some of our stories about the difference our faith has made and it may be as simple um you know it's as simple as saying actually through this difficult time i have found reading the bible to give me strength or or actually my church uh congregation has on every sunday even when we've been online has been able to help hold me during an anxious period so there's something about realizing people love stories and as long as you're talking about your story people generally respect that um, so maybe there's something about practicing our stories with one another. And one of the, I suppose, the glimpses I've had as I've gone around churches on Zoom is that actually people are um, telling those stories on Zoom in maybe ways they wouldn't have done in church, in front of it, in front of the church, you know, in the church building. So maybe Zoom as well is an opportunity for us to practice our stories with each other. So just telling people the story of how God has helped us in that week maybe how you know it's been a comfort to us um and then having practiced it with each other practice it with maybe our friends who aren't Christians so I'm going to be mean now Bishop Sarah <laughs> um since you've been talking about telling your story um I'm going to ask you to do it um, and see if is there a is there a something that you can tell us about maybe an experience from when you were nursing or from when you were younger, um, a story in which you felt so held in love that the world changed for you. Well, well, I would think you know I share my story the last ten months really. I think you know the last ten months there have been times where I personally have felt anxious and afraid. Uh, there are times when I. Um, have also um, uh, struggled with what I have seen on the television or heard from my friends about what's happening in the National Health Service. Um, and, and I think for me, um, my relationship with God, the fact that there has been somebody I can always go to and share that emotion with, has held me firm and secure in the moment. So, so it hasn't meant that my fear has necessarily gone away. It hasn't meant that actually conditions have necessarily got easier in the National Health Service, but it has meant that I felt God holding me in this present. And so for me, that has been uh, very formative over the last 10 months for me personally. Bishop Sarah, um, we're talking about being rooted in love. Is there a particular Bible verse that for you expresses that? Mm. 
Well, well, actually, there's, there's, there's quite a few, really. But I, I suppose the one I always come back to is John 15, that has that wonderful image of the vine. And, and this sense of, you know, a, a abide is mentioned time and time again in that passage. And it's this wonderful image of a, a vine that has to be rooted. Uh, and so I do come back to that. And, and one of the wonderful things about that passage, it doesn't just talk about, um, you know, abiding uh, in God and in Jesus. It doesn't talk just about being rooted in God, but it talks about love very specifically, about being rooted and abiding in love. And it gives this wonderful image of this sort of vine that over, you know, overlaps and intertwines. And in a sense for me, it partly describes my life really, my Christian life as, you know, wound around other people and being intra, you know, interrelated to other people. But at the heart of it um, is that sense of being rooted in God, abiding in Jesus Christ. And for me, it's only then that actually love uh, comes out and love can be there. If I know the love of God, if I know his love represented in Jesus Christ, then it's that that over, in a sense, wells up in me and I have the ability uh, to love other people. So it's the vine in, in John 15. It's really lovely hearing you talking about your experiences of being rooted in love. Um, and it's very striking how that scene runs through your life so strongly. But there are some people, and there are certainly some times in our lives when actually it just doesn't feel that way, does it? You just don't feel rooted in love. Um, what would you say to people if they're sitting here listening to us have the conversation saying, yes, but it just doesn't feel like I'm rooted in love? Oh gosh, yes. I mean, I, you know, I could tell you times when I have uh, found myself almost in that barren land, that wilderness where, you know, um, you know, I may even be struggling, you know, I may be struggling to notice the love of God, but I may be even struggling to notice God. Uh, and I think all of us go through those times. And I don't, I think there'd be a very unusual person that hasn't. For me, I think the, um, the lesson has been that if we have some sort of spiritual routine to our life, and that may vary. You know, it may be a Bible study in the morning, it may be morning and evening prayer. But I think if we have a routine, when we get to those wilderness moments, that I do believe that routine will hold us. And that routine will hold us to the point at which maybe we just catch that blossom in evening prayer or in Compline that just uh, captures us again. So I would encourage people to establish a routine in the good times so that when you hit those difficult times, um, that it, you can just keep going. It sustains you, but also almost there's a sense that when you're in those moments, you may just capture something of that flower in the wilderness, you know, the water in the desert when you need it, um, that then begins to enable you to flourish and grow again. But being in those difficult places, I think is very normal for Christians. Uh, and there's something about us, how we establish that routine, so that actually when time is tough, uh, we may just um, suddenly recapture that moment, uh, but also use other people, uh, you know, speak to other people, use them to support you, prayer, people to pray for you. So also use the, the company of all the saints as well. Yes, absolutely. And I love that. I remember when I was going through a very dark patch, my spiritual director quoted um, the lovely Iona hymn, mm. I will hold a Christ light yeah. for you. Yeah, and um, and it was really powerful for me to know that actually, mm. it didn't have to be me that somebody else could do it on my behalf. And that actually, if they persevered for me, 
Yeah, it kind of kept me going. Yes, and I also, you know, for me, having uh, been in a cathedral, you know, that that sense that there are people praying morning and evening, whether it's monastic communities or whether it's cathedral communities. So even though those different times, the sense that people are praying for us, even if we're not known by them, they will be praying for us. And that, for me, yes, I that's a wonderful image of somebody else holding the Christ-like like forms. Yeah. And I and again, I love that sense when I'm in the cathedral praying mm-hmm. um, that I am praying on behalf mm-hmm. of everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And that even if I've never met them, um, I am in some mm-hmm. way praying for them, yeah, which is, is a lovely yeah. image, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, one of the things I want to do now is just to look forward a little bit, because in a sense, it feels as though when we are thinking about COVID and the pandemic, we're kind of very much rooted in now. Um, do you have hopes for um, the church in the future? Do you have hopes for um, the life of Christians um, in the Diocese of London and, and across the, um, the country? Um, what, As we emerge out of um, Um, lockdown and the pandemic time, um, which sincerely hope we will um, eventually, Um, there's going to be quite a lot of rebuilding to do, isn't there? What what do you hope will have changed for us all as we do that? Well, I think one of the wonderful privileges of being the Bishop of London is that I get to see um, all the good things that are going on, even in these difficult times. So in a sense, my hope for the future starts in the present. You know, in these difficult moments, I've seen uh, Christians and churches Uh, step up and step out into their communities. Um, And so they have shown um, God's love to people in very practical ways, whether it's food banks, whether it's all those wonderful um, uh, Christmas hampers that were delivered, um, you know, whether it's uh, just befriending people, reducing loneliness by picking up telephones. Um, They've shown the love of God in very practical ways. I've also seen hope in the way that churches have responded in very um, specific ways to whether they remain in their church buildings or whether they go online. They have kept their communities safe uh, and they have provided comfort and hope uh, in worshipping. And I have seen that hope. And and so in a sense, the hope I see today is the hope that I see going forward because I know that Christians uh, have been growing in their faith confidently. They've been loving their communities. And actually, we are seeing churches grow. So so that for me is the hope. And I, and I suppose building on that, I hope uh, that they find time together to reflect on the way in which God has been moving in their community. How has the spirit been moving? And therefore, what is God telling them about their community going forward? What is God calling them to do uh, as they begin to move forward uh, uh, in a sort of, not? It, I don't think it will ever be a post-COVID world because I suspect it's going to be around for us for much longer. But there's something about what has God been teaching us here that he's calling us to do more of uh, in the coming months and years. And that feels like a very Lenten theme, doesn't it? As mm. this goes out and we're about to start Lent. Mm. Um, would, do you have any tips for people as mm. they're facing this Lent mm. this year um, of what kinds of things they mm. might want to do in order to be able to reflect, as you've been suggesting? Um, and, and so I think there are some things to learn from the last lockdown about how we begin to develop a routine in our lives, how do we, you know, it's not just about giving things up, but how do we take up a routine, um, which is about uh, being in God's presence, reflecting on him and allowing him to 
reflect on us. So I think that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that where is our church community? How can we do it with our church community? Recognising that lockdown still exists. What have we learned from um, uh, the last 10 months that we could reimagine into lockdown? So how could we uh, do it together um, uh, going forward? Uh, and I would encourage people to take up a resource. Obviously, we produce Rooted in Love, which is around a Lent book. Um, we, it is our offer to the Diocese of London uh, and uh, to the uh, clergy of the Diocese. It may be something that people will want to take forward in Lent. It is written in that way. Uh, we've written it as an offering um, and maybe using it as a way of reflecting and beginning to grow deeper and rooting ourselves uh, in God during that period of time. So um, with perfect timing, you mentioned the book as I was about to ask you about it. Um, just tell us a little bit more about it. Um, what's its shape? Um, how will people encounter it? And what do you really hope they'll take away? I think we probably know that already, but we'll um, do that at the end. What do you hope people will take away from the book? But tell us a little bit more about the shape of the book and what it's like. Well, the, the book itself uh, began some time ago, well, probably well over 18 months ago, as we were beginning to ask um, people in the Diocese of London, of what they had discerned God uh, doing, what they thought God was calling us to do. And we asked over 6,000 people uh, in the church, outside the church, about what they saw God doing and what we should be doing more of. And, and there were some very clear um, uh, messages that came through. So we had this uh, wonderful vision of being there for every Londoner. But also we began to see three priorities uh, to grow in uh, in discipleship, uh, to grow in our compassion for our communities and to creatively grow as a church. And, and I suppose as a College of Bishops here in London, we began to focus on the first one. How could we uh, grow in depth in our discipleship uh, in terms of following the Lord Jesus Christ? How could we grow in the love of God? Because there is a sense in which from that rootedness in God grows forth our compassion uh, comes forth uh, the growth that God offers us as a church. Uh, and so as a college of bishops, we uh, decided that we would work on this book together and develop uh, this book. So the book itself is a contribution from the College of Bishops in London. Each one of us have, have uh, authored a different chapter and, and then we brought it all together. So that's what the book is. It's a, it's a book really offering us an opportunity to grow in our rootedness of in God. Each chapter has a reflection, it then has an action that's suggesting of what we could do and it has a prayer. So we could do the journey either individually or maybe we could do the journey in a group. Uh, in a group. Bishop Sarah, it's been absolutely lovely talking mm -hmm. to you today and thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you Paula.